Good morning. It's so good to see everyone here. People are trickling back in more and more, first service. It was awesome to see some faces that we haven't seen in a while, and it's just so good to be here, to fellowship, to encourage one another, to praise God together, to commune together. This morning, I want to ask something of you to begin with. I want to ask a question, and it's this question. Do you know the one thing that every person that has ever lived has in common? Do you know? I'll give you a little hint here. Romans 3.23 states this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And do you know who the all is? All is everyone. Everyone who has ever lived outside of Jesus has fallen short and as a result are at risk of eternal separation from God. This is equality. Before God we stand or fall short of his glory. Every single person that has ever lived can be connected by this one fact, that we fall short. It doesn't matter when you were born, where you were born, how you were born, to which parents you were born, or which culture, or which nation, or whether you were born out of love or not, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Some people, however, would have you believe that only some of the all matter to God. They would have you believe that only certain people groups or ethnicities or cultures matter to God. They would have you believe that certain types of sinners don't matter to God. They would have you believe, in essence, that Jesus and the gospel aren't for everyone. And if we're honest this morning, there might be individuals or types of people that you don't believe and or treat like Jesus is for them, if you're honest. But Romans 3.24 declares this, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The same all that fell short have the opportunity to be justified freely by the grace of God when they put their faith in in Jesus Christ, which means that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. One of those everyone passed away this week. A man named Earl Simmons, or you might know him as DMX. Now, in 1998, DMX stormed on the music scene, filling a void that was left in the wake of Tupac and Biggie being killed. And immediately he struck the hearts of those who heard him. In fact, as, as dark as his material and as, as gritty as his material was, he was still selling 10 million albums because something was unique about him. In the middle of this album about the street and about growing up and about being in a situation that nobody wants to be in, out of nowhere comes this fervent prayer to God. And it made you take note. At the time, I wasn't even a Christian. And this man was ministering to me more than any Christian had ministered to me thus far in my life. 
and I wasn't listening to him for that. And we know that he fought his battles, that he was, in a lot of people's mind, a walking incongruence or contradiction. On one hand, he worshiped and praised God and called people to repentance and prayed over his audience. On the other hand, he seemed to glorify the world. But this morning, as we think about God and Jesus being for everyone, you wonder, was he able to reach some people that you and I never will? Was he able, did he see, did he really get it? You see, he wasn't a hypocrite. A hypocrite is somebody who hides their sin. His sin was well documented and well known. He solicited prayer. He walked with us through his struggle. As the Apostle Paul said, he boasted in his weakness. It is not a hypocrite to say we have sin. In fact, it would be the exact opposite, right? If we say we have no sin, then we make God out to be a liar. This morning, as we look at Acts chapter 10, we'll see that the Apostle Peter had to figure something out that DMX already knew. Jesus is for everyone. Because when you grow up the way he did, in foster care, in an abusive environment, being tricked into using drugs for the first time at 14 by somebody you look up to, you learn real quick what this world's really all about. When you grow up in comfort, in ease, and in the church, you have never been lost, per se. And it wasn't the church that reached out to me. And I thank God for the word of God that spoke into my life that allowed me to be standing here today. But I have a heart for the lost because I was once one of them. But the truth is, we were all once separated from God. We just never accepted that fact to the fullest extent because it would change how we treated other people. So beginning in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, a centurion, has a vision from God. And Cornelius, according to Acts 10.2, was a devout, God-fearing man who gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. This is a Gentile, not a Jew. But he's a devout, God-fearing man who gives generously and prays to God. And God tells him to send men to bring Peter to him. In the meantime, we catch up with Peter in verses 9 through 21. Peter has a vision while waiting for a meal as he went up to pray. And in this vision, God tells him to kill and eat animals that were forbidden for him to eat, things that would be unclean or impure. But God rebukes Peter's notion of uncleanliness and impurity and instead directs him to recognize that it is God who makes things pure and God who makes things clean. And the text says this happens three times. Then three men sent by Cornelius show up to invite Peter back to Cornelius' home. And you know what else is cool about the threes? It's like three in the afternoon, three days later. We know Peter likes three, right? He denied Jesus three times. He's reinstated three times. God's trying to get a hold of Peter here, right? We're going to pick up the text in verse 24 if you want to turn there. It says, the following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell 
at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. And while talking to him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for Jews to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three, de- three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest at the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. Peter's just now realizing this? Peter's just now realizing this. Let's backtrack a little to Matthew. Wasn't Peter here, there to hear these words? All authority in heaven has been, and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. Wasn't Peter there? That day when Jesus says, disciples of all nations, See, after spending three years with Jesus, watching Jesus, being taught by Jesus, being commanded by Jesus, and being endowed with the Holy Spirit, it's finally here in Acts chapter 10 that Peter finally gets it. In his own words, he says, I now realize. He has a light bulb moment, right? He finally realizes something that Jesus has been trying to impart to him this whole time. See, God values our knowledge, and Peter finally knows that Jesus is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. It didn't matter that he walked with the Savior. It didn't matter that he was commanded. It didn't matter that he saw the example when Jesus went and talked to people like the Samaritan woman. It didn't matter because he didn't get it. It wasn't until this point where he admits for himself, I now realize that he knows that Jesus is for everyone. This morning, as we we go through the word of God, I want you to be thinking about who is or who are the everyone that I don't think is for Jesus? Who in the everyone don't I think is for Jesus? Who are my exceptions to the rule? Right? Who are my exceptions? Because guarantee there are blind spots. Peter has a pretty glaring blind spot here, right? And we all, because of sin, have blind spots. But Peter isn't the only apostle that knows this. Paul also knows this, and he lays out how this singular truth affects his disposition toward other people. 
Let's look at 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means possible, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. See, Paul's a man who has learned to become like those whom God would put before him in order to better serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a man who had a profound conversion. A man who actively sought to stamp out what Jesus was doing. A man who learned that Jesus was for everyone. And how did he learn that? firsthand? Because even though he persecuted the church, Jesus was still for him. And God loved him so much and had such a plan for him that he blinded him on the way to Damascus and brought him into the fold. How could he not want to become all things to all men for the sake of that good news in the hopes that some might be saved? How could he not? But everyone isn't merely limited to nations, tongues, and tribes, and people groups. Remember that all have sinned and fallen short All also refers to our enemies and those who intend evil for us. Jesus is for them too. So maybe you're good with jumping on board with, yeah, we got to do better at getting to understand other cultures and other people and and be more welcoming and and engage on a deeper level and and really be, be a person who's willing to step out of our comfort zone. What about your enemies? What about that person that popped into your head when I said that? I know you all had somebody pop into your head. Maybe that's the person you need to preach the gospel to the most. Maybe that's the person you need to be poured out most for. Let's revisit Acts 7, verses 59 through 60, as Andrew told us, The story of Saul a few weeks ago, you recall Stephen was stoned and Paul took legal responsibility. Let's read what it says. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You see, just as Paul's encounter with Jesus changed his disposition toward others and he became others-focused, He began giving himself away. So too did it change Stephen's. And for Stephen, it was his enemies, those who were killing him for the sake of the gospel that he prayed for and focused on at the end of his life. Because our struggle isn't with flesh 
and blood, but with spiritual powers and forces of darkness in the heavenly realms. Your enemies aren't people. If you see people as your enemy, you are woefully ignorant of what's really going on. Because there is only one enemy, and he looks around like a lion looking for people to devour. That's what the enemy does. See, God values our generosity and we see Paul giving himself away to all people because Jesus is for everyone. We also see Stephen praying for those who are killing him rather than for his own life. At that moment, he could be praying for a lot of other things, but he looks to the Father and says, don't hold this against them. Just like our Savior did for us. Because we were there in the crowd that day yelling crucify. There is power when we, led by the Holy Spirit, compelled by Christ's love, follow the will of the Father and reach out to those who are separated from God. In John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a Samaritan woman that will change her life. She's hurting. She's rejected. She's looking to pick a fight with Jesus over racial and gender pressure in her culture. And Jesus knows exactly what she needs to hear and to receive the gospel. And even though she's not a Jew, he shares it with her because the good news is for everybody. Let's look at John 4, 39 through 42 and see the result of Jesus' interaction. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And they, he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man is really the savior of the world. See, God values our invitation. And the Samaritan woman invites her whole village to come and see Jesus because Jesus is for everyone. You see, Peter had to learn this. Paul had to learn this. Stephen had to learn this. The Samaritan woman had to learn this. One fundamental truth, Jesus is for everyone, which means Jesus is for you. But not only for you. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 48, we see how this turned out for Peter. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on with all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. Even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay for a few days. Peter's come full circle. 
Remember that command? Go make disciples, baptizing them. I realize all means the Gentiles. I realize that all means everybody. And maybe sometimes God has got to kind of prod us a little. God's kind of got to lead us by the hand. God's kind of got to mold and shape us as he's sanctifying us to come to that realization. But the good thing about God is he doesn't give up on us. He disciplines his children. He molds and shapes his children. And in this moment, Peter has begun to fulfill the broader scope of the Great Commission in a way he hadn't before. And that gives me hope because sometimes I'm pretty blockheaded like Peter. I keep fumbling around and running into the same walls and keep making the same mistakes and keep missing the point. Anybody else been there or is that just me? Right? This morning, we can clearly see from the text that Jesus is for everyone. There's nothing or no one the gospel isn't for. It is the good news for all who have fallen short of the glory of God because all have the opportunity by putting their faith through the grace of Jesus or the grace of God to be saved this morning, to be justified this morning. From the worst villain in history to the most innocent baby, Jesus is for everyone. Remember David said in his psalm, even in the womb you demanded obedience and therefore my sin is always before me. Because David understood something. All have fallen short. Even in the womb, God demanded obedience. But praise God, he made a way for us, right? I have three objectives for us this week since we know this truth now. Since Jesus is for everyone, I must grow in my knowledge of other people groups, nations, and cultures in order to better meet them with the gospel where they're at. As Clay said a few weeks back, we are a go-tell people. We would love for people to come and see. That would be comfortable. Come see. Come be like us. Come sit in our views. Come wear our church clothes. But we're called to go tell them about Jesus. Yeah, invite them to come see Jesus. But go tell them to do it. Don't just wait for them to walk in the door. Don't exclude somebody because you got a problem with that person. Don't look at a group of people or a type of person and say, I, I just can't relate. I don't think we, we would jive together. Jesus is for everyone. And you are called to be Christ in their life. Because we live for the one who died for us. We are his representation. We are his ambassadors. Since Jesus is for everyone, like Paul and Stephen, my disposition toward others must change, and I will become all things to all men for the sake of the gospel in the hopes that some might be saved. And I don't want you to do this like an American. I want you to do this like a Christian. In America, we have these really cool sayings like, take the higher road, be the bigger person. Those are contrary to the gospel. Jesus Stoop down before and wash the feet. And no servant is greater than their master. 
The Bible over and over talks about the value of humility and not viewing yourself as better than others. That's what you're saying when you say, I'm going to be the bigger person. I'm better than you, therefore I'm going to act better than you. No, how about you be like Christ and choose to put yourself beneath somebody else and serve them in a way that God has called you to serve them? So when I say that our disposition must change, I mean we must see ourselves differently with regards to who we are in Christ and who someone else has the potential to be in Christ. Since Jesus is for everyone, my invitation matters, and I will invite people to come and see Jesus just like the woman at the well, because God values my invitation. This morning, we see clearly that Jesus is for everyone. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how long you've been in the faith. Surely you know this. And if you didn't, now you know. Last Sunday, I was blessed at the end of uh, second service to watch my son Gabriel baptize his best friend Dexter into Christ. You see... Gabriel understands that Jesus is for everyone, and so he invited his best friend to come and see Jesus, not just to church. And I don't want to embarrass Dexter here, but it's fair to say that Dexter's life at home isn't the greatest, right? And having a great friend who cares enough about you to lead you to the Lord is a big deal because we can't do it on our own. And Gabriel's 12. I'm not bragging on my son. I'm letting you know there's no excuse why you haven't done the same thing. In fact, you were saved for that purpose. That is the only reason you were saved, which was to do the good work that he prepared in advance for you to do. And that starts with making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is for everyone. Who is part of that everyone that you've excluded in your life? It's time to repent. It's time to boldly go out in faith with humility and be God's people because the world is dying and going to hell and we have the good news. Are we going to keep it to ourselves? Are we going to share it with everyone we meet? And you can't share it if you don't get to know people and if you don't understand how to talk to people. You can't be that weird guy that weird girl that just doesn't know. Learn, grow in your knowledge. Become all things to all people. Don't just stay in your comfort zone and be yourself. Allow Christ to work in you. This morning, if you need prayers, if you need encouragement, if you need to give your life to Christ, if you need to repent, if you need us to walk beside you and help you. That's what we're here to do. We're all about discipleship. We want to help you grow in how you disciple and in your own personal discipleship. Please come forward. Please don't worry about people looking at you. We can all do better, and we are here to grow together because Jesus is for everyone.